Man, what might happen then? Well, we're so thankful that you're here today. Today is the solstice. Did you know that? Actually, last night at 9.20. It was the soul's shortest, shortest daylight of the year, which means absolutely nothing unless you suffer from seasonal affect disorder. Then today might be your happiest day of the year because now the sun's coming back. But um, on to important things. Listen, we have... We have an app that we use here. It's called the U version. We got some slides for you to show you how to use that if you don't have it. There's the first slide. If you don't have U version Bible app, then you can go to the appropriate store and get that. It's free, and um, there are a lot of really good uh, study opportunities on there. And then, to, in order to access today's service, which we have sermon notes on there, we have all of the announcements on there, you go to you open it up, and down in the bottom right is what uh, Jason Cotting calls a hamburger menu. I guess he only eats a single, but um, you punch the hamburger menu, and then you go to events, and it's going to find the churches in your area that are using that app. You're going to find two churches in this area, Risen Life and Redeeming Life, um, which is one of our church plants over on the west side, and you touch Risen Life, and it will give you options for either the sermon notes or the announcements. And um, if you go sermon notes, then it's going to have each of the verses that we're going to look at today in order. Um, And then you can save the event down bottom right so that you can access that during the week. If you do not hit save event, then you cannot access it during the week. But it's a really cool little uh, gizmo that's it's handy to know about. So if you want to take advantage of that, or if you like books, which some of us do, there are Bibles under the chair in front of you there. Maybe be sure and take advantage of that. Today we're going to start in Genesis chapter, chapter 1, chapter 3. We're going to be all over the place. We're talking about Jesus the Redeemer. Jesus, our Redeemer. And... Um, you ever thought about the word redeemer? Is it possible to be redeemed without having first been deemed? What does it mean to be deemed? We deemed it necessary. That makes absolutely no sense. I'm, I'm deemed now. That doesn't make any sense. But to re something means that something has been whatever it is it, that we're trying to re it back into person can't be revived if they haven't first been vived, right? You can't revive a rock. Rock's never been vived. How about rehearse? Have you ever been in a hearse? How do you reinvest? You can't reinvest what hasn't first been invested. How about some revenge? You can't have revenge without a good case of venge, right? To re-something means to restore it. See, there it is again. To place it back into the state it was at a previous time. So what were we? If we are in need of a redeemer, what were we originally? What does it mean to have been deemed? Actually, the word redeemed is from two Latin words and is not deemed. The the one that we use, we deemed it necessary. It's from two Latin words which are read and emiri, and together they mean to buy back. In fact, it used to be translated to buy again. It means to restore to its original place of ownership and position. 
And so when we talk about Jesus as our Redeemer, we have to ask the question, what was our original condition? What were we like when everything got started? And friends, we did not start at the bottom of a glob of goo and work our way up from a primordial ooze through all kinds of transmorphications until we become the wonderful people that we are today. I made myself this wonderful organ donation, of course. Who wouldn't want a part of this? (laughs) That's funny, sorry. If we, if we are going to say that we have four-point dynoed ourselves from the bottom of the rock all the way to the top of the rock, all by ourselves, then we do have a great deal to be proud of because we are the ones who accomplished this. We are the ones who did this. We don't need anyone's help. But if, as the Bible says, we enter Genesis chapter 3 in a state wholly different from the state in which we leave that chapter, then somewhere in between there's a problem. If we enter chapter 3 in such a state of completion that God was able to say in Genesis 1.20, it is very good. And if we enter chapter 3 in a condition that comes out of the last verse of chapter 2, Genesis 2.25, that says, and they were naked and they knew no shame, and we come out of chapter 3 with verses 23 and 24, the Lord sent them out of the garden to work the ground from which they were taken. He drove them out. If we enter in perfection and leave in shame, something happened during chapter 3. We went from a place of deemed to undeemed. We'll make up words as we go here. And look, we can look at the human problem and say, well, we just lack something. We just lack adequate education. If we would just teach them better, we lack environment. If we just had better environment, if we had more uh, development, if we had more evolution, we just need more time. If we just had more of something, then everything would be fine. But what the Bible tells us is, no, at the beginning of three, we had it made. At the end of three, we had it ruined. And it's not because we lost something, it's because Something happened, something entered, something came in, and that something was our sin. Our sin has separated us from God. We lived in a state of completion, complete fullness in front of the Father with permission to come into his presence at any time. And at the end of chapter 3, that was ended because no flesh is going to glory in his presence. And he put a separation between himself and us that was recognized. It's his recognition of our sin that the Bible says it's our sin that has separated us from our God. So something happened. We did not rise from the bottom of the rock and make it all the way to the top of our own effort. The Bible says that we were created at the top of the rock. And by our own choice and absolute rebellion... We took a jump off that rock, free fell, and landed in the muck at the bottom of the rock. In Ecclesiastes 7, it says, this alone I have found. God made man upright. He made us upright. We were right in his eyes. But they have sought out many schemes. Another version says, devices or inventions for evil. He made us upright in his sight. And we are the ones who threw that away. We began this trip in a state of completion and fullness, and we threw it all away for the sake of an empty promise wrapped up in a fruit. Now, the lesson that we learn from that is don't eat fruit. 
<laughs> except fruitcake from Collins Street Bakery in Texas. Now, finding ourselves, finding ourselves at the end of chapter 3, we had been in that condition of completion, and now we have abandoned that position and all the benefits. Is it possible to regain, to regain the position that we had in the face, in the presence of God? In order to do that, we must be redeemed to the position we were once deemed with. And just like we could not create ourselves, neither can we redeem ourselves. Listen, we were helpless to make ourselves be born. We were helpless to make ourselves. Mom and Daddy had that decision. That wasn't ours. We were helpless to make ourselves be born, and we are helpless to make ourselves be reborn. Because both of these are gifts that come to us from outside ourselves. And the Bible lets us know there is someone outside of us who just like there was someone outside of us who wanted us to be born, there's someone outside of us who wants us to be reborn. And the Bible is his introduction of himself to us and the offer that he makes of salvation. Listen to what it says, Isaiah 44. This says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. <laughs> He's the one who made us. He's the one who desires, invites us to allow him to remake us. This is the one. He formed us. He formed us upright. And now, in spite of our best efforts to completely alienate ourselves from him, he offers us to become our Redeemer. Now, look, we start chapter 3 in a state of completion and fullness. We end chapter 3 in a place of desperation and separation. You want to hear what's cool? Isaiah 53, 6 is the exact opposite. Isaiah 53, 6 has the word all in it two times, once at the beginning of the verse, once at the end of the verse. And when we identify ourselves with both of those alls, then we can be in a state of restored fellowship with God because it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Now, look, that is, that's our entrance into that verse. That's coming out of chapter 3. That's the end of chapter 3, but that's the beginning of 50, uh, Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. He's laid on him the iniquity of us all. But now in 53, 6, he turns the whole thing around and says, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's the second all. Now we go from a state of separation at the beginning of the verse to a state of possible redemption, redemption, restoration at the end of that verse. And that's his invitation to us. Will you let me restore you? Friends, paradise regained truly is, as the ancient poem says, a, a, a condition of reversal, a restoration of everything that had been lost to people who threw it away for themselves. We lost it ourselves. So here's what we're going to do. What we're going to do today is we're going to use the investigative and reporter's approach to this, and we're going to have five W's and an H, okay? Five W's and an H. So you can keep track of where we are in this whole thing. Who, what, when, where, why, and how? Let's start with who. Who is he? Who is he? The vast majority of the relatively few, you know, compared to, you, you think about the word redeemer, wow, that's so central in the Bible, that must be all the way through this. I'm not in there a whole heck of a lot of times. I was really kind of surprised at, at that. But the vast majority of the times that it is in there, it tells us who <laughs> redeemer is. 
It's used to identify the Redeemer. And it's important that we know who the Redeemer is. Listen, if, <clears throat> if life is given to us outside of ourselves, if new life is given to us outside of ourselves, it's really good to know who mom and daddy are because mom and daddy are going to hand us some characteristics, some traits that it might be nice to know about, right? My dad had a tendency towards skin cancer. Nice to know that, right? If we have been given the opportunity to be reborn, we need to recognize who that one is also and recognize that it is not me. <laughs> I am not my own borner. I am not my own reborner. It is someone outside myself. So if it is not us, who is it? The Bible tells us very clearly, Isaiah 40, 47.4, our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name. He is the Holy One of Israel. But now says the Lord who created you. Now look, there's the deemed part. Here's, here's what the Lord says. The one who created you. He's the one who formed us in the womb is what we've already seen. Oh, Jacob, he who formed you, oh, Israel. Here's what he says. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He has purchased us at a price. So that verse deals with both the deemed and the redeemed part of it. It says in Isaiah 44, 24, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. Psalm 78, the Most High God, your Redeemer. Isaiah 41, your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. On and on and on, the word Redeemer is used to define who it is. The Redeemer is Jesus. The Redeemer is Jesus. He is the one who paid the price so that we could be restored to a state of completion and fullness in the presence of the Father. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, do you know Jesus? Who is it? It is Jesus, period. It is wrapped up in him. It begins and ends with him. And you know what? Those of us who have come to him, there's a term that he uses. There's a term that he uses to describe us. It's in Isaiah, I love this, Isaiah 62. They shall be called the holy people. That's you, if you've accepted Jesus. The redeemed of the Lord. That's you, if you've accepted Jesus. And you shall be called sought out. A city, not forgotten. I like that. You will be called sought out because that lets us know that Jesus initiated. Jesus went to the work of Jesus, labored to find us. He sought us out. We had a church in southern Utah that, that that's what they called their church, sought out. Okay, that's cool. Didn't last long, but it was a great name, right? And friends, you are sought out by the Father through the person of Jesus. So first off, who is he? He's Christ. Secondly, what? What is he like and what does he do? What is this, what is this redeemer like? Jeremiah 50, 34, their redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. Jesus is strong. He is strong enough to take care of us. The next verse I have, Proverbs 23, don't move the ancient markers. Don't you go trying to, trying to invade somebody else's property, especially if they're weak and fatherless is what it says. Here's why. Because their Redeemer is strong, he will plead their cause against you. You don't want Jesus down on you, right? He is strong and able to. Now listen, it's one thing to want to be able to fix things. It's one thing to want to, to, to take care of problems. It's another thing altogether to be able to do it. Every, every contestant who's ever been on Miss America wants there to be world peace. World peace, world peace. <laughs> Never mind. Everybody, they all want world peace. They don't have power to make anything happen toward that. We can want world peace all we want, but until we have power, 
Friends, Jesus wants us to be restored to the Father. Who cares unless he can actually do something about it? And Friends, the Bible lets us know that he can. He is able. Abraham recognized that not only was he able to give him a son, there's the born part, but he was able, according to Hebrews chapter 11, he was able to raise that son from the dead if need be. There's the reborn part. He is strong. And friends, one, one, one thing I like the most so much about the three Hebrew children in Daniel chapter 3 is that when they're about to be thrown into the furnace, they look at the king and they say, hey, listen, our God is able. I love this. It, it, it proclaims the truth without presuming on the mind of God. Our God is able to deliver us. You, you know this. Let us inform you. Our God is able. But if he doesn't, I love that. He is able to, but we're not going to presume on his will. If he doesn't, we still will not bow to your statue. Friends, God is able. And the God who was able then is able still. He is able to make all grace abound toward you. And he does this by way of Isaiah 43. He blots out our transgression like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. There it is again. Return, redeemed. Come back home. That's the invitation. Now listen, we're going to go through all these. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. We're going to go through all these. But there are a lot of things in, in Christianity that you can be wrong on and still make it. Okay? There are a lot of things you can be wrong on and still make it. Now, I, I, I want to be perfect just like you think you are, right? We, we all want to get it right. And I I know that my teaching on when Jesus is going to return is right. If it weren't, I wouldn't believe it, right? It's got to be right because I believe it. But you know what? I can be wrong on that and still make it into heaven. I can be wrong on a lot of things and still make it into heaven, but here's something I cannot be wrong on. These two that we've already looked at, who he is and what he did. Who is he? He's God in the flesh. What did he do? He died on a cross to pay the penalty for my sins so that I could be redeemed, <laughs> placed back into a position of acceptance. You want to know something else he does, how strong he is? He teaches us in Isaiah 48, he teaches you to profit. He teaches you how to profit. He gives you wisdom of how to make money. That's how good he is. Our God is a strong God. So we have who, what, when. It's our third one. When. When did he do this? When did, when did God redeem the children of Israel? You're not going to like this one. I don't like this one. When did God redeem the children of Israel? There are four things that Jesus told Moses from the burning bush. Listen to what they are. In Exodus chapter 3, I have surely seen the affliction. I have heard their cries. I know their suffering. I have come down to deliver them. When does he deliver? When he has seen the affliction, when he has heard the cries, when he knows their suffering. And friends, how many of us wish that he would just show up a little bit before the suffering starts? I heard years ago, God's never late. He misses an awful lot of opportunities to be early. And we know that to be true, don't we? But here's the reality. God knows when. And God knows where to meet his people. Now, I doubt they do it anymore, but used to. They used to teach lifeguards to um, almost let the person drown. <laughs> let, let them go down, let them wear themselves out, and then go in. I doubt they do that anymore, you know, but, but that's what he used to do. 
about the time you think they're about to die, then jump in and get them. Because if you go in and get them before that, they're going to have, have enough energy to drown the both of you. Right? And the reality is there is something about our recognition of our own lostness and need that places us in a position to be willing to accept the help of another. As long as I can get this thing figured out, I don't need your help. As long as I have strength enough to take care of this, I don't need your help. But friends, there was something about the people being in a place of affliction, a place of crying, a place of suffering that prepared them to be able to hear, I have come down to deliver them. And no one is going to ask for help until we recognize that we have need. And friends, the help we need is the result of the simple fact that Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned. All of us have come short of the glory of God. Well, they're harping on sin. I'm harping on mine. I know that I, know that I, am, I have sinned. I am a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. That my goodness will never be enough. And friends, it was... With the children of Israel, it was when they were under the burdens of the Egyptians, is what it says. That's when he promised, I will deliver them from slavery. I will redeem them with an outstretched arm. And friends, it was when we were sinners. Now look, if while we were sinners, he was so kind to us. If while we were sinners, he loved us so much that he sent Jesus. How much more blessing will there be in following Christ? You know what? It's been, a, it's, been a, it's been an interesting ride these, several, these last several years of serving Jesus. Lifetime spent serving Jesus. It's been so worth it. If he loved me so much that he was willing to save me as a stupid five, six-year-old kid, how much more does he love me today? How much more does he want to bless me today? How much more blessed am I today? You know, Miles Monroe said, salvation ought to be the very least experience that we ever have in God. He said, he said, born again is not the room. Born again is the door. Kingdom of God is the room. And how many of us just kind of linger by the door because, you know, coffee's right on the outside and then I can bring it back in and, you know, I'll just stay at the door. And, uh, get, get. No, the door's the very least experience. The door's just the beginning of the blessing that he's called us to. If, he said in Romans 5, if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more? Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Man, it's so good to follow Jesus. But friends, when does he do it? He, oh, he just waits until we're in a position where we recognize, I really do need a Savior. Who, what, when, where? Where are we when we are redeemed? We're going to develop that one a little bit more. And this is the bad news. We cannot be redeemed until we recognize and admit our having lost our position of having been deemed. What if we cannot? What if we cannot be redeemed until we get into that place that he has appointed for us? What if the prodigal son cannot come to his senses is what it says. It says he came to his senses. What if he cannot come to his senses until he is in what? Pig pen. It says that when he was in the pig pen is when he came to his senses. And how many of us as parents, oh, we don't want my little baby going to the pig pen. I don't want my little baby suffering like that. But friends, what, what if the greatest gift we can give our children is to quit bailing them out of their problems and allow them to taste the empty husks of the corn cobs that are thrown into the pig's pen? What if 
The redemption that God has for us does not take place. We don't recognize it. We don't receive it until we are in the place of absolute desperation. He looked at them and said, listen, here's what I want you to do, Zion. Daughter that I love, here's what I want you to do. I want you to writhe and groan. Well, that doesn't sound very happy. Like a woman in labor, for now you will go out. Here's, you're about to go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You're going to go to Babylon. There you will be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. I don't want to go to Babylon, but friends, the redemption is waiting for us there. And until we recognize I need redemption... We're not going to find it until we recognize we're in the place that he has established for us. Friends, you cannot be redeemed from the hand of your enemies until you're in the hand of your enemies. (laughs) That's the stinky part of this. But that's the reality. And where is it that the table is spread before us? Where Where does he spread a table for us? Psalms 23, 5. In the presence, what? Of our enemies. You know, oh, we don't like the valley of the shadow of death. That's a terrible thing to see, and it is a gross, gross thing. But it's in the valley. (laughs) It's in the valley that he met Jesus. And friends, we want to be saved from all the difficulty. We want to be saved from all the problems. We don't want to ever have to go into Babylon. That's the bad place, but friends... It's there that God said, no, there I have appointed. It is there that I have appointed that you will be redeemed. David cried. Psalm 69, redeem me, ransom me because of my enemies. Psalm 106, so he redeemed them from the power of the enemy. And it is in the place of oppression and violence in Psalm 72 that he redeems their life. Don't be afraid. Don't be be afraid of the oppression. Don't be afraid of the bad place. Don't be afraid of the enemies. Because, friends, somehow it's in the presence of the enemies that he spreads a table for us. Let's back up. What? What is he like? He is strong. He is able. He is able to rescue those of us that he knows, even when it's in the face of hardship and difficulty. We've got to be careful of this. We've got to be strong to go through it. It doesn't sound like a happy place, but friends, it is a life from destruction that God rescues us. We can, if, if we have never been lost, then you cannot be found. So we have who, what, when, and where. It's in a place of, of disappointment, distraction, separation, and sin where he finally says, now, Now you can be saved. Why does he do this? Number five, why does he do this? Three reasons. First one, here's one. Galatians chapter 4, God sent his son to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption of sons. He did it for us. That's one of the reasons. He did it for us. He did it so that we could receive the adoption. We can be adopted into the family of God. We can have the same rights and privileges as the the firstborn son, which is Jesus. We are heirs of, we're joint heirs with Christ. He did it so that we could be redeemed, adopted into his family. Now, is that a reason? Yes, it is. 
Is that the highest reason? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. But it's a reason. Here's your second reason. Titus chapter 2, our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify to himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Why did he do it in that verse? He did it in that verse for himself. Did he need us? No. Did he want us? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Do we need... Do we, did he need the fellowship? No, because he has fellowship wrapped up in who he is with the Trinity. Did he want to share that with us? That is what is overwhelming. They let, God looks at himself and says, you know, we, what we got going here, this is so cool. We got, we got to share this. We got to tell somebody about this. Look, you see a good movie for crying out loud. You're going to tell people about a movie. <laughs> and the Godhead sitting there saying, look, this, this fellowship is so cool. We got to share this with people. This is great. And he did it so that he could redeem, purify to himself a people for his own possession who would be zealous for good works. He did it to reveal his glory, his goodness, his eternal power. Third reason he did it, he did it for us, he did it for himself, he did it, Ephesians 2, for love. Look what it says, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, here's what he did. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you're a Christian, you are seated right now in the presence of the Father in the person of Christ. Somehow. How does that work? I don't know. Sounds really cool, though. Why did he do that? So that in the coming ages... He could show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. How does that work? For by grace, verse 8, by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. You didn't come up with that yourself. You didn't work up your own faith. That's a gift of God. It's not of works because if you can earn it, you can brag about it. It's not of works. So that none of us can boast, is what it says. Friends, that's why he did it. He did it for us. He did it for himself. He did it because of the great love with which he loved us. It is because God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish. Why did he do it? For God so loved the world. Now, does that... As we said a few weeks ago, we've got to be careful of that word love because it has been so conflated with lust in our society, it's easy to lose track of what that means. Does that mean that he never, he never deals with us, he never reprimands us, he never, he never punishes us? No, it doesn't mean that at all. The Bible says the man that loves his child disciplines his son. Now, does that mean he beats him? No, discipline is not beating. The Bible says in Hebrews that our earthly fathers disciplined us and we respected them for it. Discipline is what causes us to respect our parents. When our parents look at us and say, don't go running out in that road. I'm putting, parameters, I'm putting boundaries on this thing. Don't go beyond this line. They're doing that. Why? Because they're tyrannical and mean and want control. No. I mean, you don't even let your dog run out in the road. You do it because you love them. And God sets limits because he's mean. and to No, because he loves us.
It is love that drove him in his holiness to save us. So, who is our Redeemer? It's Jesus. What did he do? Paid the price. When did he do it? Really before we knew we needed it. Where? We were in their very pit. And why? He did it for us. He did it for himself. And he did it because he was compelled by love. So how, how do you think we should respond to that? What should be our response to that? It says in Psalm 92, here's your one way to respond. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. In Psalm 107, I'm pretty sure it is, there are four people who find God in that, in that chapter. And the fourth one, I believe it is, that says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up in the, in the assembly of the people and just say, God is good. This is, God is good. Just, just, just confess that God has been good to me. And that's what this is. Just give thanks to the Lord. Has God been good to you? Has God been good to you? Has he? Then what can we say? Holy cow. Thanks. He said in Psalm 107.2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble. Let him just say so. I did a service one time where I got to the end of that verse, and I said, okay, it says say so. If you've been redeemed, stand up and say so. I just had people stand up and say so. 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 But you know what? There's power in that. There's power in that because it's a confession. No, I'm in, the re- I, I'm in the redeemed. I'm in the redeemed. I have, and it's right for me to say that I've been redeemed. I was talking to a brother this past week. He said somebody was railing at him on the phone, went for 45, 50 minutes. They did this twice, and they're telling him how terrible he is, what a rotten person, terrible yakky boss, and all that jazz. He said, I was getting beat down by all this listening to all this. Why do I have to listen to this garbage? And then they said, and you're no Christian at all. He said, and when they said that, oh, they overplayed their hand. He said, there are a few things that I do know, and one of them is I'm a Christian. And when they said that, that, that impugned everything they had said previous. Right? They over, they're trying to get him. He was able to stand up and say, So, I am a Christian. I am redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Who can you say so to this week? And who can you walk up to and say, So? And then just walk off that freak out. But anyway... I was thinking about this weekend. I don't know if I've ever told you about my relationship with Jesus. That'll be weird for some. Ask God for the right time, right place, what to say, how to say it, John 12, 49. But who could you say so to this week? And listen, maybe you find yourself in the middle of the destruction, the middle of being lost, the presence of your enemies, the turmoil of a life lived for yourself. Wouldn't you like to be redeemed? Wouldn't you like for your life to be restored to the place of completion and fullness that God created you to be? He invites you to come home. But here's the problem. There is a wall. There is a wall between us and God. 
and that wall is our sin. That wall has to be dealt with. We can't take it down. If we could take it down, if we could, if we could pay to have it taken down, we'd have done it a long time ago, but we don't have the ability. Somebody has to take that wall down, and that's what the Father did when he sent Jesus to die on the cross. That wall had to be taken down. A price had to be paid, and Jesus had paid that price, and the wall is gone. Now all that remains is you and Jesus. Do you know Jesus Christ? The way is clear now. The, the way is clear because the price has been paid. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you accepted him as your Savior? Because John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life. This is what it is, that we know the Father and the Son whom you have sent. Do you know, have you, do you know Jesus Christ? If not, it is as simple and as eternal as this. Dear God, I broke your law, and I am so sorry. I just acknowledge I have sinned, and I am really sorry. Would you please forgive me? I believe that Jesus died on the cross because of me. He died to give me the gift of eternal life. And I want to say thank you. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say thank you by giving you my life. I'll do what you tell me to do. I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. I'll do what you tell me to do. And friends, it's as simple as eternal as that. Just acknowledging I need Jesus. But for those of us who are saved... How should we respond to the who, what, when, where, why, and how of this thing? How should we respond? Here's you a good way. Psalm 52, 9, break forth into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. It is right to dance in the dawn. It is right to do what Jaquita and Tori did today. It is right to get in our private place. If that's where you want to do it, I get it. That's fine. I don't want to see people have people watch me dance around and things keep moving after I've stopped break forth into singing just to say dear God there is a redeemer Jesus God's own son precious lamb of God Messiah holy 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 one God thank you for Jesus followed by your spirit speak our need if while we were sinners Christ laid down his life how much more now that we have his life will we be saved by his life God thank you for the redeemer Jesus Yeah.
preciosa of us, even to be saved, is to speak that those who will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead will be saved. Let's be a people who speak this holiday season. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, this would be a day for you to say, Jesus, you are Lord. I believe that. And tell us, let us help you in your spiritual journey. We, In fact, we have a baptism service coming up next month you have believed in Jesus even today or if you are a believer in Christ and have never been baptized take that opportunity to stand up and verbally say Jesus is Lord of my life we have a lot of things going on upcoming weeks at Risen Life and it's going to be in that app if you if you choose to use that this Tuesday night being Christmas Eve at six o'clock we're going to have our Christmas Eve service going to be here it's going to be good bring a friend and hear the gospel We'll have a great time together of celebrating the birth of Christ. So that's going to be Tuesday at 6 o'clock. Now next Sunday is one of those Sundays that typically many people are traveling and out and about. And so we have just one service. So next Sunday, the 29th of December, there'll be just one service at 11 o'clock. If you come at this time, that's fine. There'll be donuts and coffee for you. Enjoy the fellowship. The service will be at 11 o'clock. Church office is going to be closed for the next two weeks. If you need to get a hold of somebody, send us an email. If you have our phone numbers home or something like that call us there we'll, we'll minister serve any way that we can but the office will be closed for the next two weeks so do be aware of that a lot of mission trips going on in 2020 a lot happening here at risen life church one of them is a guatemala trip that'll be occurring early in june and so if you are interested in the guatemala mission trip there's a meeting january 5th that's in two weeks from today following the second service we also have our christmas offering going on right now it's called the lighting moon christmas offering if you would like to give toward that, it is for foreign missions. Every penny, Mark and Wendy Hoshizaki, uh, missionaries out of this church to Japan, are supported out of that fund. And every penny that goes into that fund, it goes straight, straight to foreign missions. So if you'd like to give toward that, put that on your check, put it down in the memo line. You can drop it in the box in the back, put it in the offering plate, and we'll be sure that it gets to that very good offering. Finally, many of you are new to Risen Life here in the last few months and are asking, how can I become a member? How can I participate? How do I get connected here at Risen Life? The answer to that question is there is a next step for you, and that is called Discovering Risen Life. It's a short little lunch that we have that we introduce all those subjects and many of the staff to you. So January 12th, it's three weeks out, following second service, there's a Discovering Risen Life lunch. We'd love to have you come and be a part of it if you want to figure out how to be more connected at Risen Life. You guys are a blessing. We're thankful for you. Be sure and greet somebody before you leave. Somebody needs to know that somebody cares. They're going to be praying this week. Let them know that. And let's watch this next week. Christmas, look, when we get with family, Jesus didn't tell the Gadarean maniac, go home and argue. He said, you go home and tell. 
what great things the Lord has done for you. And there's nobody that can argue with that. You just share. Because God gives us the opportunity to pray for our neighbors, watch for opportunities to share Jesus, and let him do the work. Amen? You guys are a blessing.